Hello everyone and welcome to episode 279 of the Ask the Coach show where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. In today's show, we'll talk about timeouts, choppers and pen holders, playing weaker players and using more than one ball in a match. Plus, we'll have the tip of the week, drill of the week and discuss the European Top 16 tournament. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Ah, uh, good morning, and how are you, Jeffrey? Yeah, I'm pretty good. A little tired because I what? went to the Guns N' Roses concert last night. Guns N' Roses? What do they sing? <laughs> you know, Alois, the really popular <laughs> "Sweet Child of Mine" song. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Far more popular than American Pie. Ah. Uh, I don't think so, Jeff, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed the concert. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was very loud. You know, I'm getting older these days and I'm not, <laughs> not sure I'm ready for that sort of volume. Oh, no, you're not getting that old, are you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when it's such good music, you don't mind being hit by just a sound of, you know, a, a huge sound of beautiful music, yeah. so it's okay. Yeah, these youngsters today, Jeff, they just play their music too loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too darn loud. <laughs> uh, but the Guns N' Roses, they're not youngsters. They're older than me. Still going oh, really? around. Yeah. That old. That old. Yeah, indeed. No, but it was good. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I do, you know, I like a wide variety of music, Alice. You know, I like Guns N' Roses, but Kenny Rogers is pretty good too. <laughs> really, Jeff? Yeah. I, I did see your comment on one of our questions the other day about that, that... Uh, did you quite like Kenny Rogers? But, you know, Coward of the County, I, I must say. <laughs> and The Gambler, great songs. Yeah, that's right. But we're not here yeah. to talk about music, are we? No, definitely not, because uh, that is definitely not my forte. No, but people do love the segment on this day, Alois. So what have you got for us today? Well, I've got I've got a couple of biggies, a uh, couple of big birthdays. And again, Chinese national team birthday. So we missed Fan Zendong's birthday a while ago, and that was on the 22nd of January. Um, you know, probably the uh, the the heir apparent um, in the table tennis world, I would say. Yes. Um, but tomorrow is Zhang Zikur's birthday. So uh, Zhang Zikur, one of the legends of uh, the sport now. So he is 20... Nine tomorrow. 29. So, uh, Boy, he's getting old too. He must turn his music down shortly as well. <laughs> exactly. And his hearing aid up. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's certainly done a lot in his 29 years uh, of table tennis, you know, winning an Olympic gold and runner-up uh, last year. Yeah. Um, and winner it is... of the World Championships. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Pretty impressive record, isn't it? And it's interesting because... You see often players from Europe last, you know, into, way into their mid-30s, you know, Person, Waldner, Michelle Save, um, yeah, just to name a few. But in China, they te- tend to turn them over quite quickly. But, um, you know, Zhang Zikers lasted quite a while. Can he, you know, go on another five years? I don't think so. I, I think they're almost making him last a little bit longer. Um, you know, I, I really think it... It's almost time to push Fan Zendong through now um, and give him a few more opportunities. But yeah, Zhang Zikur seems to be just hanging in there. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he'll be there for a lot longer, though, Jeff. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I when tend he, to get when that he's uh, as well. 
Yeah, when he's winning gold in Tokyo, uh, hopefully everyone's forgotten this show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We predicted his downfall. Now he's just going to continue on to greater that, things. That's it. Uh, very good. Oh, well, some exciting birthdays there. Excellent. Indeed. All right. Um, now um, I want to talk about the tip of the week. Yeah, so the tip of the week this week, and and I think it's something that, we sometimes forget and some something that I try to emphasize a lot, and that is just find one more training session per week. So I think you'll be quite surprised at the increased rate of your improvement if you can find another session to train. So if you're doing one table tennis session a week, try to find that second one. If you're doing two, try to find the third one. If you're doing four, try and find that fifth one. And you you will find that just that increase in regularity of playing does definitely help, you know. It's it's about making sure that you're on the table. But then I suppose the other important part is to make sure that you are training well and focusing well and practicing things well when you're on the table as well. But, uh, but yeah, from, from 99% of us, I think, it's about finding one more training session per week. Yeah, when you lay it out like that, it seems to make a lot of sense. And it seems like maybe if you're only doing one session a week, going to two would have the biggest impact, whereas like from four to five might not be quite as dramatic. Is that Would that be right? Uh, yeah, I, I, think it, I think so. But, also, but I think it, it makes an impact even when you're going from four to five because, you know, sometimes when you're doing four sessions and you can add that extra session – um, at that stage, you're only looking for little, little um, increases in performance. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I think it does make an impact. And, you know, it always depends on our um, our lifestyle and the rest of the the uh, the things that we do in, in our lives. But, you know, if you are really keen on improving your table tennis, try to find that extra session. All right, great tip. So everyone, this week, see if you can just find one more one more session and then see if you can keep it up, uh, you know, moving forward. All right, great tip, Alois. All right, so it's time to move on to the drill of the week. What do we have for our listeners this week? Yeah, so with, um, with this drill, again, it's probably more a training method um, than a specific drill. But often when we feed multi-ball, we feed it, Um, with a bounce first and then push the ball over. I want you this week, if you are doing any multi-ball, to feed it as a serve. So a lot of our um, short play especially is aimed at trying to improve our return of serve. Now, when you're getting the feed after the multi-ball feeder bounces on the table and then pushes it, it's a really different impact and a really different flight than if they are just serving to you. Now, that doesn't mean that they've got to, you know, set up each time and do a proper serve each time. It's just getting them to bounce the ball on their side first and then um, and then onto your side, just like you would with a serve. And you'll just start to see that there are slight differences. And that's what we're really aiming for. We're really aiming for how we can improve our a return of serve in that situation. So um, let's let's focus on that. Um, as much as we can. Sounds like a good idea there, Alice. So 
Um, if you're out there and training with a partner, yeah, this week try and get them to, you know, utilise this. So serve some uh, short serves to you, you know, in quick fashion using multi-ball technique. And if you've never used multi-ball, you know, get onto it. It's really effective and really good. And um, you can find out more in our multi-ball course on the Ping Skills website. All right, good tip, Alois. I like it. Thank you. I'm glad you like it, Jeffrey. <laughs> Indeed. All right, now, Alois, it's time to move on to the tournament wrap, and today we're going to be looking at the European Top 16. Yeah, so um, yeah, the European Top 16 was just held, but also um, maybe before we talk about that, the um, the Indian Open is on at the moment, um, and that is on um, ITTV. So that's something that all of you should try to get onto and try to watch because that's um, that's a tournament that um, you know you can you can get on there and watch some really good uh, table tennis players playing the game, um, and and I think that's something that probably we don't do enough um, enough of um, yeah in our in our um, in our improvement or, or in our training even, you know, like use it as a training tool um, as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I think the more you can watch the top players, the more you can emulate them. And I think just watching the way they execute their strokes kind of helps you mimic them. So, you know, I think the more you watch good technique, the more beneficial it's going to be for your game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yes, it's probably something that, um, you know, in, in today's age, I mean, it's it's so um, available and so easy to see those top players. So, yeah, so if you're not uh, watching the Indian Open, get onto it on ITTV through the um, ITTF website and you'll be able to watch that live. Great tips. Yeah. And then to the um, European um, Top 16 Championships, so... Um, it was an, a win to the great Ovcharov. So he, he came through and has won a big event, which I'm really pleased about for, uh, for Ovcharov. Yeah, well done, Ovcharov. Because he seems yeah, to so, often get so close but never get over the line. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so in his uh, uh, semi-final, he uh, beat Kulay from uh, the Ukraine and quarter-finally beat uh, Stefan Fegarel. Um, Four nil. So, but the final was against uh, Shabayev from Russia. So interesting to see the Russian get through um, to the final. Um, Shabayev beat uh, Apollonio in the quarters, um, and then in a bit of a controversial semi-final, uh, beat uh, Simone Gorzi from France. So ended up winning the match 4-2, but uh, there's a little bit of footage around of their aftermatch where they actually um, argue and there's a, even a bit of a chest bump uh, between the two of them, uh, between Shabayev and Gorzi. So, uh, wow. Very, yeah, very untable tennis-like, but, um, yeah, Shabayev uh, ending up, well, he, he, got, he got there on the scoreboard winning 4-2 and then uh, faced up to Ovcharov. Um, Ovcharov winning that final four games to two as well. So, yeah, so good to see um, Ovcharov come through with the goods. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess is this a case of, you know, in the semi final, any publicity is good publicity? 
Well, I, I think so, but I, I, I don't think it got a whole lot of publicity. Um, you know, I saw a little bit of it around, but um, yeah, it certainly didn't make mainstream news reports or anything. I don't think. Yeah, maybe they just need, you know need to get into a proper fist fight for it to make <laughs> mainstream news. No, I remember yes. because the last time something like this made mainstream news here in Australia was when Zhang Zikur was kicking the barriers. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange what. Uh, what news? Well, it's not strange, but it's just what what they uh, tend to focus on, isn't it? It's, they they like the the sensational. Yeah, but, um, they do. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's where we really want to position table tennis. But, <laughs> no, uh, no, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, good win for Optrov. And on the on the women's side, uh, Lee Jia from uh, the Netherlands uh, winning the women's, um, winning four one <coughs> against Patricia Solia, and Solia had to. Um, a forfeit with an injury in the final in the end. So, um, yeah, that's in the last little, game. little disappointing there for yeah, Solia. That's right. But um, a, a good uh, a good tournament uh, for the Germans. So uh, Sabine Winter uh, beating Georgina Potter um, in the quarterfinal and making the semi. Um, and uh, said Solia making the, the final as well. So, so the Germans uh, having a good tournament there. Uh, the other... Um, standout was Liu Jia from Austria, as opposed to Li Ji from the Netherlands. So um, yes, get that pronunciation right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, there was some other. So Samsonov not getting through his group. Bowl not getting through his group. Um, yeah, Bowl's really struggling lately, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Um, poor old Bowl. But um, but you know. I'd, Again, I don't think there's many um, more years of uh, of battle left in Paul Bowl. No. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Samsonov losing to Lebeshon from France, 3-2 in his group. Um, the, the groups aren't uh, set out that well in the results, but, um, but yeah. So both of those, I suppose, um, uh, grandpas of, uh, of European table tennis not making it through... Um, to the quarterfinals. Yeah, and I guess as their seeding starts to drop, they start playing harder and harder matches. Like, Lebeshon's a good player, so that's a tough, you know, tough group for Samsonov. Yeah, that's right, exactly. But, um, yeah, no, but interesting results, as I said. Um, but, uh, yes, good to see Ovcharov come through with the goods in the end. Yes, indeed. Well done, Ovcharov. All right. Now, Alois... I think it's time to get on to the questions. And we've got some good ones today. Good. Excellent. All right. The first question is from Andrew, and he wants to know, is it best to save your time out for later in a match or take it earlier if you are losing? So, you know, he says, for example, if I'm down zero to two and it's tied at eight all, would that be a good time to help? Or maybe if I win the game and the next game is two all, I would have a timeout for the last game of the match. So you can't predict the future. So how do you know when to use your time out? Yeah, it's interesting. So it, when, when you watch a lot of matches, you'll see that a timeout is often taken when the player is down or if their opponent only has one more game to win and the player is down by three points. And that seems to be a trigger for a lot of players and coaches to take a timeout. Um, the Chinese, on the other hand, don't wait that long. The Chinese, on the other hand, will take a timeout 
early in the match, if it's close um, in a set, if it's, you know, 10-9 or 9-all and they think that uh, by taking a break it's going to benefit them, uh, the Chinese will take their timeouts early. They very rarely, I suppose they're very rarely down um, in a deciding game and three points, but... um, but that's when the Chinese tend to take their games, their their timeouts. And I, I think I think the things to really look for are your um, psychological state is one, and also just the flow of the match. So if you find or think that gee things have just suddenly turned around and and the match isn't flowing my way, um, and you think by taking a timeout you will have the opportunity to maybe stop your opponent's run, um, then I think that's a really good time. It's often, you know, sometimes in a game, um, you might even think that the game's lost. So you might be five or six points down. Then, for me, probably not the time to take the time out. Maybe just experiment for yourself. Um, Just um, start to try a few new things, you know, and then get to the next game and see how you go. But... um, yeah, a few different ideas there with the timeout. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think we've discussed this before on the show, Alois, and I think it's the ideal time is not based on a score, I think. It's more based on, on your feelings and how you think the match is going and whether you think you, you need the timeout at that particular point. So, yeah, yeah, yeah don't, don't, I don't think it's good to plan for a time in the match. Because you might get to that point and be feeling really good and, you know, not want to take the time out. So don't, don't just take it because, you know, that's the score. So, yeah, more focus on how you're feeling and then I think you'll make the right decision with these timeouts. Yeah, exactly. Especially, especially if you start to feel really nervous, um, you know, in a, in a crucial situation. You think, okay, I just need this little bit of a time to, uh, to stop and uh, collect myself again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, of course, you need some strategies to be able to, you know, get yourself back. <laughs> so exactly. we, we can discuss that another time. But uh, great question, Andrew. All right, let's move on to the next one, which is from Viet, and it's about choppers and penholders. He says, hey, Ping Skills, nowadays I see that defenders and penholders are getting fewer and fewer. Most of the top players now play shake hand style and attack. So do you think that one day pen holders and defenders will completely disappear from the top 100? Mm, good question. I don't think that they will disappear completely, especially uh, so with the pen holder side. You know, now with the pen holders used, using the uh, reverse pen hold backhand, it's sort of extended their life a bit. Um, so I think there is worth in utilizing the pen hold grip still i think you know maybe 10 years ago you would have said oh yeah i think they are a dying breed and and we might not see them but they've um, revolutionized themselves with the with the reverse pen hold backhand yeah um, with- so but do you still think that's as effective as the shake hand because i guess if you look at the percentage of like the chinese national team using shake hand versus pen holders i wonder how much that's changed over the last 10 years yeah, it, it it's definitely it's definitely going that way. Um, you know, who knows? But I I just feel like there will always be players that uh, like the the feel of the penhole grip and feel like they can do more. So yeah, I think uh, I I think they'll uh, remain to be around the top hundred. 
but 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 certainly I think you know we'll we'll always see um, the majority of players playing shake hand. Yep, makes sense. I think, and um, yeah, so I think actually, oh, it's hard to know. Oh, do you think penholders or defenders are more are in more danger of disappearing out of the top one hundred? Ooh, I would say penholders. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, because I, yeah. I, I think the defenders like if it if they do become rarer, they kind of become harder to play. So. And, and so I think there's always going to be some people playing that style that are going to be good enough to get into the top 100. Yeah, and I think I think being a defender is almost a personality thing as well. Um, so you know, the um, a defensive person or a conservative person will tend to um, move more to the defensive style of play. Um, so I think you know, just from just from that, I think players will always. Um, uh, tend to, to become defenders, um, and you know, as you said, a, a percentage of them will get better and and break into the top hundred just because they are um, a rarer style of play. Yeah, interesting, interesting. And the other the other thing that um, that sort of stifles that argument a little bit is what Juice Hook said in his recent um, Ask a Pro. Um, interview. So he said that the the new plastic ball has really made it harder for him uh, because the ball um, you know sits up a little bit more and um, and it's it's harder for defenders in general. And he said that most defenders um, are not liking the new plastic ball. But you know things things may change there too, and the and the uh, production of the plastic ball might change as well. Yeah, true, true. Another curveball for defenders. <laughs> Yeah. So there you go, Viet. Great question. Um, and I think our answer probably is we think there's always going to be pen holders and defenders in the top 100. Um, but they certainly are or appearing to get fewer. All right. Next question is from David. And he says, I have been introducing family... I have been introducing family members and friends to the game, just casually asking them to join me and go to play outside for fun. So good work, David, getting more people involved. And he says, maybe it's a bit odd to ask, but how do you guys play games against new players? Do you let them have the point and fake missing? He goes, I just want them to experience how fun table tennis is and playing against someone who's much better might, you know, encourage them. So what are your thoughts on this, Alloys? Yeah, I think I think it, it depends on the person you're playing. Um, so if if the other person is competitive and just wants to see how good they are relative to you, then I think you go you know fairly hard. If they're just playing socially and just uh, wanting to enjoy the game, then I think you just play softly. You know, just control the ball for them, let them let them rally a little bit um, and get into the game and let them enjoy the experience. So I think it, it always depends on your opponent and what they're really trying to get out of, uh, that time on the table. So just be a little bit empathetic towards, uh, towards their needs. Yeah, I guess it's, it's interesting because I guess it's got a broader context as well for like people that are in a club. When new members come to the club, how do you get them involved? Um, you know, what's a good way to get people started that if you, if you're like a club member, and new members come to the club, what's a good way to get them involved in the club but not make them feel like, oh, this is just a bit elitist and, you know, or I've got to be really good to join? Do you have any tips on, on that? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a really good point because um, 
when when new players come to the club and they might be a lot weaker um, than the other players in the in the club, I think that's a really important time to to just um, sense what they're looking for and what they want out of their time at the club. And often it isn't to go there and just get smashed. It's often just to to have some interaction with the better players and um, you know. If you're playing them, play them, but maybe just give them some tips after the game as well. Just uh, point out a few things that they might be able to improve and then spend five minutes just hitting with them and um, allowing them to improve um, their game. That will go a long way in that new player's mind to coming back the next time. If um, if you get on the table with them, smash them 11-1, 11-1. Um, you know, don't talk to them, don't interact, Um it's pretty likely that uh, that could be their last visit. Okay, all right, great tips there. Excellent. All right, um, the next question is from Arnab, who says, I was wondering, number one, since when did the rule start that for every serve, a ball will be provided from the umpire's chair so the players don't have to fetch the old one? And number two, what tournaments have enforced this rule? Yes, so they, um, they do do it in the Chinese league. Um, and, um, it seems to be okay. You know, they, they just, uh, when, whenever the, the rally finishes, the ball rolls off to the back of the court and the umpire throws in, in a new ball. Um, I mean, if you think about it in training, we, we always train with, you know, different balls and, um, you know, we're, we, we're used to that now. And I think it's a good idea in tennis. They, use, you know, six balls or eight balls or whatever at a time um, during a match. Um, I think it's good. I think it just speeds up the play. It There's a little bit more fluency in it. Um, so I think I think it's a good idea. And maybe it's something that ITTF should explore a bit more and uh, follow the Chinese league's um, lead. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, so what's the main purpose of this rule? Just to speed up the game? I think so. I think it's to speed up the game and to, yeah, just there's less dead time. Yeah, because, I mean, I think, yeah, I wonder if it's a rule that's just not really needed. <laughs> like, because table tennis is quite a quick game anyway. Like, like, we do a bit of commentating and often between points, there's not a real lot of time to, you know, talk about the previous point. So they're already getting onto it quite quickly just with one ball. So... I'm not sure how important it is. You know, I'm not worried really about using multiple balls. Like you said, I, I think, you know, in training we do that, and I don't think there's any problem that one ball's going to be totally different. And tennis is a little bit different, and they actually have like a time limit between points because the players can tend to be just resting and taking too long, even though they do have more balls. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. It is, is indeed. Yeah, so I don't know. It'd be good, good, good to hear other people's thoughts on uh, on the matter. Yeah, let us know. Do you think they should have ball boys and yeah, the umpire throwing in a ball to speed things up, or is it fine the way it is? Um, I'd have to see more in action of that Chinese national league. Yeah, just just to see how that works. But at the moment, I'm kind of thinking it's not it's not really a problem that we need to solve. But just my thoughts. Good, <laughs> like the thoughts, Jeff. Thank you. All right, Alois. Well, that's all the questions for today. Thanks, everyone, for your questions. Thanks uh, for listening. Make sure you check out pingskills.com for more table tennis stuff. And um, we will see you in another week. Thank you, everyone, and thank you, Alois. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, 
Thanks, Pink Skillers, for listening in. And uh, don't forget to send in your questions that we can answer on the Ask the Coach show. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. Bye.